0: Okay, hello, welcome once again to another stop on the show mission two men one podcast every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams. I'm here of course. With Mister Lynn Webb.
1: Hey, how how you doing? How at your boy? This is Len, the Bat Triple of Black Triple Fame.
0: And tonight, or this evening, or whenever you listen to it, you know, you know,
1: I'm still not used to
0: podcast
1: world. But you know what? Uh, I think that our show is the type of show that puts you in that evening mode. Evening mode. Yeah. Okay. Like like, right. like I could see it would be oh, this would be interesting. It would be nice to hear from some of our listeners um, exactly what they are doing when they're listening to us. That is not a bad idea. So, you
0: know, what are you doing? You know, what time of the day is it? What are you doing? You you know, so.
1: So how about a hashtag listening to the mission? Okay, very nice. So hashtag listening to the mission. What are you doing when you are listening to the Michelle mission? Very nice.
0: Very nice. How
1: do you envision? What do you envision people
0: doing? I I mean, I know this is probably a softball that I'm supposed to say something crazy. But the people I've talked to, I think they listen to it like you listen to podcasts, like I'm, you know, going back and forth to To work work or or I'm on the train or, you you know, something having on in the house. I'm listening to it. So that's what know. I
1: envision. Like I would,
0: or I, you know, butt naked, covered with melted butter. I mean, whatever floats your boat. That's Tuesdays. But
1: uh, <laughs> I would love to hear someone say, that "Shout out to Fresh Air." <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear someone say that they um are in their kitchen, like chopping up some vegetables, making their dinner with us on in the sound system oh that's like, nice. like like coming through the Sonos right right you right, know right, while right. they're just listening to like like I would do this would it would blow my mind if all of a sudden there was like a Sonos commercial and you see somebody just chilling and they're like you know super fabulous San Francisco loft mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's like I'm Vince this is Lynn you're on the Michelle mission oh that would and, be
0: and it, that. that would be dope that one. But hello. Oh, sorry. Hello. And uh on this episode, <laughs> we're going to talk about Girl 6. We're going to talk about Girl 6 uh the Spike Lee film from 1995, um 1996. 1996, I'm sorry. This is our final this is our final film. In Black Music Month, as you know, we've been celebrating.
1: Yeah, it went a little over.
0: It went a little over, but you know, it's all right. It's, it's the after party. <laughs> there
1: you go. There the you go. After I like that. It. It's the after party. You know,
0: and we've been talking about the music and in, in the filmography of Prince. We started out with Purple Rain. We followed that with Under the Cherry Moon. The third stop was Graffiti Bridge. And then we're going to round out this celebration with Girl 6, which is connected to Prince because it has a Prince soundtrack. Yes. Which was a huge part of the story of Girl 6. Yes, it was. So, you know, getting a Girl 6. Do you have a bit of business? Do you have one clarification? One um, one uh, thing that I need to correct. A correction, if you will. Okay. So you remember on the when we were talking about In Search of Girl 6 and I was I went on the rant about how you can't find things mm-hmm. and one of the films I mentioned was M- Melinda. Yes. Which is a black version of Carrie. Yes, that everything about that was wrong. Oh, really? Melinda is actually like a crime thriller starring um, Calvin Lockhart. Like I was I oh, I, I conflated. two. Already. Well, I conflated two things I meant to tell you about Melinda, which just came out on on um, Blu-ray. I've never seen it, but I saw Calvin Lockhart was in. I read the description and it seemed really cool. What I was thinking about was Abby. which is the black version Uh, of the exorcist oh really so i got confused about one word black versions of movies with scary ass white girls (laughs) (laughs) you see what i did there so i mean you see how that it's like melinda Melinda black version of carrie Abby black version of the exorcist both um you know these little I, like I remember like god this scary ass white girl <laughs> it's an honest mistake so it was an honest mistake a very honest but mistake. um hopefully nobody was running out looking for Melinda the black version <laughs> of Carrie because it
1: doesn't exist I ain't say Abby I said Melinda right right
0: right, right.
1: <laughs> go back there and get me Melinda you wanna hear a funny story I
0: know we gotta get to it, but this is so. Take your time. Journey through the secret life of plants. The Stevie Wonder album mm. was out of print. Not out. Well, no, it was out of print. I think technically it was out of print for years. Okay. Because you know, if you don't know, Journey: Secret Life of Plants is during Stevie Wonder's classic run. But this is like it, it was. Is it, it was a soundtrack to a documentary.
1: That I did not
0: know. It was a soundtrack to a documentary actually called journey through the secret life of plants and it is mostly instrumental music like this great electronic instrumental music uh share one you uh share one you love is on there right but um send one you love send one your love rather is on there but it's mostly a curia out of print for years came back into print my wife bought it for me for my birthday nice. the year that yeah i got a good wife the the year that it came out and gotten to almost a shouting match with the woman at the record store who tried to tell my wife that it didn't exist, that Stevie Wonder didn't have an album called Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants.
1: Wow! Really? And and you know what record store was this? You know, we th- probably don't know.
0: No, no, I actually do know. It was, it was in Baltimore. It's it's one of my favorite record stores, owner Sound Garden. Mm. I don't know. I hope. Well, that's a whole other story. Like this was a, this was an infamous um, clerk at Soundgarden, and I don't think she's there anymore, but I remember, like, when I saw my wife, she was all flustered, talking about, do you know that fool told me that? And I said, I (laughs) know. Anyway, hopefully nobody went and yelled at a clerk about, I want Melinda
1: the black version of Carrie. Hopefully they didn't. Because it doesn't exist. This is where I thought you were going, though. Okay. Where I thought you were going is one of the things that we did talk about on In Search of Girl 6 Mm -hmm. was about, you know, how hard it was to get a copy of it yes you know, you know hard being relative yeah yeah uh, yeah, and, and and also one of the things you talked about was we got into this whole like you know thing about criterion collections and everything yes. like this and and the girl six being a movie that is worthy of being some of of collected of a sort or at yes. least you know better appreciate it um it appears that in 2006 there actually was a dvd release of girls six in um for its 10th anniversary through anchor bay entertainment that oh, okay that included with it a making of featurette as well as um very rare behind the scenes footage however there was no additional um Commentary track or anything like right. that, but it was at least a, a, a more of a, of, of a, a, you know, a collector's item. Right, right. And I think the making of it.
0: featurette is is on the version we have, probably like that kind it. of, you know. But well, there you go. So it, also, just to complete my complete wrongness of my rant about Melinda the Black Carrie and how it's not on DVD, Abby. Also, build it's actually build at like parenthetically it says the Black Exorcist. Wow, came out on DVD in two thousand seven. So there you go. There you go. It's kind of like when when uh, Chuck D in, in Bring the Noise says uh, most of my heroes don't appear on a stamp. And like since then, like every time I hear that, I'm like, you know what? A great deal of my heroes actually appear on and the stamp. Actually been on so, stamps. So there you go. There you go. Well, Maybe it's, it's progress. Times have
1: changed. Girl six. Yeah. In She's Gotta Have It, Jungle Fever and Malcolm X. Director Spike Lee got in your face. Now he's gonna get in your ear. You've just reached the hottest live talk line around. Acting is about feelings. The only reason. The only reason I take a- that take, a- take, a- take, a- take. Somebody's gotta hire me, huh? I hope so. Greatest. Romantic African American film ever made. Directed by me, of course.
0: Person we're looking for needs to ooh sexuality. You unbutton your blouse.
1: Nope, nope. You walked out on QT. The hottest director in Hollywood. Sharon Stone. Spread Hollywood.
0: I got to eat, and I got to pay my rent.
1: I hear this is a place where a girl can make lots of cash. You're an actress. <laughs> How are you acting? You're not on stage, not in front of the camera. I'm girl 39. Oh, my God, I'm going to explode! Yes! Good. I'm girl 29. Don't I look pretty with my long blonde hair and big blue eyes? Don't my feet look pretty? No inhibitions. No taboos. My best features are my like, big. Oh, bitch! You like that Mr. Joe Schlobach thing? Dude! What do you do to your ex? You got that guy crazy. He wants to get back with you. Ooh. I yes. you know you were such a freak. <laughs> I always was. You just never brought it out anymore. Mm. The pilot called you from his cockpit. Mm-hmm. Dag, no wonder you. the plane's been falling out of the sky left mm. and right.
0: <laughs> Teresa Randall. I'm gonna hop on a plane and go to Hollywood and live
1: out my dreams. What are you gonna do? You're gonna collect autographs and take the next person that moves into my building and make them pay your rent. Spike Lee. <laughs> Give me no idea! Give me no idea! <laughs> Isaiah Washington. I'm, I'm gonna miss you, Joyce. Judy. Judy. I always say it like when you call me that. Jennifer Lewis. Debbie Mazer, Peter Burr, Naomi Campbell. Ron, Ron Silver. Belzer, Halle Halle Barrett, Quentin Tarantino. John Turturro. Lada. With songs by Prince. Girl, Girl Six. 6. She's the only thing better than being there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we are with Girl 6. Simply put, it's Manhattan, New York City, and Judy... Also known as Girl Six, is a very is on a very awkward audition with uh, Quentin Tarantino, where he uh, proposes that she um, she may have to do some things in order to get this film role. This kind of degradation that she is not standing for leads Judy to reassess her life where she is in her life and what she's doing to make it in the world of acting which through a series of steps takes her into the world of phone sex as girl six in this uh, 1996 movie directed by Spike Lee with a screenplay by Susan Laurie Parks. Susan Laurie Parks the Pulitzer Prize winning uh uh, uh 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 playwright playwright that's what I'm trying to think that's the word playwright of top dog underdog oh yeah which is a phenomenal play. A- absolutely I saw a, a um a uh a performance of it at the Walnut Street Theater a couple of years ago mm-hmm. with Cash Goins and uh, it was directed by Malika Oyateman who was an, an an incredible theater director. Mm-hmm. Uh, once here in Philadelphia, now living out in Seattle. Um, This, as you noted out, Vince, is uh, a film that features a Prince soundtrack, which is how we lumped this into this. Uh, But it's not a a wholly original Prince soundtrack. It's basically some bits and pieces and Mm -hmm. B-sides from um, Prince's uh, catalog put into this film, which Fits with this film because this is very much a, to me, a hot podge of scenes. Uh, It stars Teresa Randall as Judy, girl six, Spike Lee as her neighbor, Isaiah Washington as her ex-boyfriend, Jennifer Lewis as her boss, Lil, Mm -hmm. uh, Madonna in a cameo role. As someone who hires her for a little uh, to do private phone sex at from home, right? Uh, And then it has some quick, actually quick uh, cameos from some of the people playing um, uh, 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 the guys on the phone, um, including Richard Belzer, um, Michael Imperioli, yeah, uh, who has a very horrifying scene. Oh yeah, um, uh, as a kind of like a stalker of a sort. Um, and it also has, an, uh, uh some of her coworkers, you have uh, Naomi Campbell and a couple of other uh, names, Debbie Mazur, mm-hmm. and a couple of other uh, faces that you'll recognize from 90s and early 2000s cinema. Um, but this film is just, it's just a real There's really no energy, no story to this film. It's very telling that in 1996, with this, especially considering that you know it's um, the writer is Susan Susan Lori Parks. This is her first screenplay, however, um, and I think it does show. Um, I think it's um, very much. the movie is very much someone trying to find their voice mm-hmm. and what they what they want to put out there because they don't know whether or not they want this movie to be a comedy. Is right, it supposed right, to be right. like some kind of commentary on on uh, independence of of women? Is it supposed to be a little bit of a, a, a thriller or a drama? Um, it's all over the place, um, and unfortunately, it. Does not it it the with it being all over the place? You need someone unifying force in there, someone who you can anchor this the movie on to, which should be in this girl six, Judy Teresa Randall, mm-hmm. and unfortunately she is not up to the challenge because she is very 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 wooden in this movie, um, very one note uh, and just really for what for as much as the script is all over the place Teresa Randall is in one place Mm. and therefore doesn't do it doesn't even attempt to serve the script at all Um, and I I really was disappointed in her performance the the um. The, the 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 screenplay. I was also disappointed in the in the cinematography of this. Who was which was by Malik Hakeem Saeed, Yeah. Who yeah. actually um, was Spike's cinematographer on Clockers mm-hmm. as well. But it's not. But it's relatively new to being Spike's main person. Sure. sure. And I think it shows in this. There's not a. There's not. Um, I don't feel. The usual steady hand of of spikes. You earlier films, right? In this one, also it. This film feels like just like Prince's soundtrack is just B sides, just cobbled together. And if they 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 try and make them fit into the into the the narrative. I guess it, there's some cursory attempt at it. I don't think it ever really does. I think that uh, by that same token, because this is the first film that Spike is directing that he did not write, right? did not have anything to do with story-wise, I think he is pretty much going through the motions directorially mm. in this film as well. Um, and there's no type of... I mean, there, there are some attempts at spike isms where like the people you you get the the shots with people talking directly out to the screen right you right. get the people on the on the um on the on the moving
0: right 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 the, right
1: the moving while they're walking right like that crane like yeah, yeah. Like that crane thing mm-hmm. you, you get you get that shot um you get you get some typical spikely flourishes but none of the the energy to it and none of the um the sophistication this is it's very by the numbers I think even to the degree that the 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 setting of the film like like just the the whole the whole set design of some of the of the offices where they're at and and girl sixes or judy's apartment it's just very just there's just nothing there it's just Mm -hmm. it's just a very by the numbers movie um, that ultimately just totals up to a very very big disappointment I really I truly truly did not enjoy this film I disagree with about
0: Seventy to eighty percent of everything you just said.
1: Oh boy, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, um, it's it's. I think it's I think it's a
0: weird movie, and I think it's a weird movie in in sort of like like Spike Lee's body of work.
1: It's very weird. It's, you you yeah. know, I
0: think you know you got the first six that Spike Lee makes, right? You know, basically, um, you know, she's got to have it. School days, do the right thing, Mo better blues. Jungle Fever Malcolm X. Right. And I mean, that's it right there. Like that's that's the golden age of Spike Lee. Which, you know, sidebar, I'll put Spike Lee's first six up against anybody's first six. Fair enough. Like, you know, one through six. Um, and I'll just go on record, like we doing Spike Lee now. Like this is our first real Spike Lee. I'm no, just no. going No, no, no. I mean like I mean Chirac, we did Chirac, but I mm-hmm. mean like, you know, we Spike Lee in it now. Okay. I think Do the Right Thing is the finest American film ever made. It's considered one of them. So, not one of them. Like, I'm not hedging my bets. I'm not. Okay. The finest American film ever made, full stop. Okay. So, I hold the, so, you know, first six, high regard. Like, I was talking about Stevie Wonder earlier. That Stevie Wonder run in the 70s. Prince's run up to, like, Diamonds and Pearls. Whatever. And in, in a run of them. You get that weird transition period Mm -hmm. with Crooklyn and Clockers Mm -hmm. where as you said um, Ernest Dickerson is no longer his cinematographer that's the name of it. After Jungle, after Malcolm X. right? So you've got that. Um, He gets a co-writing credit on both of those but you know I always kind of went eh about his co-writing credit on them because um, Joie Lee and his brother I believe it's pronounced Cinque Lee co-wrote Crooklyn and Crooklyn is kind of loosely based on the Lee the Lee Lee family and obviously it's from the little girl's point of view so I know who I think really wrote the script to Crooklyn Mm -hmm. and Richard Price co-wrote the Clockers script with him but it's based on Richard Price's novel Clockers Mm -hmm. so even that is like okay as you said this is him he's just the director Um, cinematographer we talked about and I think it's almost like I think the part I disagree with you the most is that it's a by the numbers job by him because I I see him trying to do some stuff like even in the first scene. Like I feel like there's all this commentary in the script and Spike kind of runs with it on the nature of, of power and gender and race in this kind of film world so you know one of the things one, one of the one of the um one of the sort of things that they do in the film is that uh girl six who we find out at the very end her name is judy which i think is a thing in and of itself it goes the whole film without naming her yes she imagines herself in these scenarios and i think that the scenarios that she imagines herself in are very deliberate so you know the first thing and and you know we just did it so it was heavy on our mind. it's almost uh it, it's almost a line by line recreation of a scene from carmen jones but that's not the first scene no 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 no. i'm saying when she it's her first um imagine that's it, her first it's, it. it's her first fantasy yes so you had these three fantasy scenes yes you have the first one from she's, Carmen Jones. And she's Dorothy Dandridge. Yes. Everything that we've talked about with Dorothy Dandridge and how Dorothy Dandridge so, kind of dealt with all of this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Second scene, she's Pam Greer. Yes. And everything Pam Brown. Greer goes through. And, and, and the Foxy Brown scene deviates a whole lot yes, from exactly. an actual Foxy Brown film most importantly because foxy brown has no agency in her fantasy like by the time she gets to the second fantasy you get to kung fu but then the dude comes in kills the people and then he takes her out and the perspective kind of shifts and now he's like the main person third fantasy she's you know kind of this hybrid of thelma or bernadette stannis and um and, you know, but then they kind of conflate it with the Jeffersons. Yeah. And the same thing where you can't do this stuff. So you have these three, and they're acknowledged as fantasies. You yes. know, I imagine myself this. Yes. I would argue that there are two bookends where Spike Lee kind of speaks to film, and black film in particular. Mm-hmm. That opening scene where she takes her shirt off, and so she's, you know, she's going for the... um. An audition. Audition. And the director tells her to take her shirt off. And then the perspective shifts so that when we see her take her shirt off, we see it through the camera viewer. Because, you know, they're filming the audition. It's almost shot by shot what happens to Irene Kerr at the end of Fame. Okay. So got Fame on one end. Then on the other end, did you catch... Did you And it's funny we were doing all this stuff. So all the like, I like I'm not particularly smart and observant. It's just this stuff is on my mind because we just did it. Did you catch the under the cherry moon at the end? Yes. So you know it's under the cherry moon scene, and it's like a shout out to Prince.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's because it's in black and white. They're playing. Sometimes it snows in April, which is from Parade. So I feel like Spike Lee. And then it's the monologue. So she opens up you know they stop her in the audition in the very beginning so she comes in she's going to do a monologue and she starts to do her monologue and then they break you know they 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 stop her mm. and then tell her to take off her shirt but the monologue is Nola Darling's first words from she's got to have it mm-hmm. so now Spike Lee is folding himself into this mm. and then it ends you know when the film ends and, and, you know, the, the same thing happens because she moves to L.A. and the same thing happens. And and she gets to finish her monologue and she does the she's got to have it monologue. Right. And then it's her triumphant moment and she leaves. And I just think that Spike Lee has gotten to this point in his career where it's like, you know, he's made these six films and and he's almost on a grind and he's doing his thing and he's building, he's building, he's building. You've got these two transition films. And now Spike Lee is almost like, and I think his um, the body of work bears it out. I feel like Spike Lee tries things so that what you see by as by the numbers, what I see as Spike Lee kind of not having that chip on his shoulder, not chip on his shoulder, but all of these expectations that have been placed on him, where, because again, those first six, there's not an, an American filmmaker that has had a first six consistently as good as them like I don't care who you talking about there are some hiccups in there Allen Lumet, um, Spielberg Lucas whoever you look at their first six and they have hiccups Annie Hall is Woody Allen's seventh film so I feel like Spike Lee is almost liberated and he does this stuff and I see stuff happening from Spike Lee's perspective. I think you
1: are apologizing for Spike I'm not Lee
0: apologizing at Man. all. The text is right there. Everything I just said about the film itself is not imagined. No, it's
1: there. But okay. What, so,
0: but what is it saying? I think what it's saying, and this is where I am with you, and this is where I say this film is a mixed bag, and it's not, like, I'm not arguing that this is, you. you know, like I'm saying, like I would never argue that this is part of Spike Lee's golden era. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, it feels too hot. It got a little too cute for me. Like I thought, the cameos, you know, Madonna and Quentin Tarantino, and and you know, and, and um, Haley Berry shows up for a minute. Yeah, that's true. It was a little too cute for me. Like it was a little too kind of Spike Lee's now part of, of of Hollywood. Well, how much is it? Okay, All right. so so I didn't like that. The second thing I didn't like, I thought that the film started out, and again from the first scene, and, and you know, just as a point of clarification, you have Teresa Randall; she's this black actress. You have this white male director. You black have, assistant. You have, huh? She has a No, has a black no, assistant. the d- director at the end has a black assistant. The director at the beginning, Quentin Tarantino, has a white assistant. Okay. You, so you have these two white people who are. Literally objectifying this black woman, so that you have that power. You've got that race going on. She moves into this phone sex business, and one of the first things that Jennifer Lewis says during their training is that unless somebody asks, you are white. Right. So now you know the script injects race into it, and the first couple of of callers that you see are powerful white men. Mm. so it's like most of the women who work there are of color most of the men calling in are white and it seems like the script is almost trying to say something about the nature of the film industry the the nature of the phone sex industry again race power gender and then it pulls up and you get you you know you then and, and I think this speaks to what you said about the tone shifts Where you know that you have the uh, two you have a couple that calls, and they're like, you know, if I, you know, I'm just gonna say like a a stereotypical New York Puerto Rican couple, Mm -hmm. and they're kind of arguing back and forth, and that's played as far as. And um, then there's a moment where um, Tom Bird, who's one of these great character actors that shows up in Spike Lee movies, and he calls, and he and Teresa Randall have this kind of funny moment because he's like butt naked playing baseball and he's a sultan of SWAT and it kind of undermines this other kind of interesting thing sure. that I think could have been there with if 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 Laurie S- Susie Parks had a more assured hand at this moment that I think it could have been more of a through line and, and I agree with you that I think it kind of gets garbled because it pulls up
1: well i wonder how much of that is the screenplay and how much of that is especially now you know as you point out all of the the kind of like uh um, flourishes that seem to speak of spike right i wonder how much of it is spike taking taking that screenplay different. and then kind of like putting his own stuff in there I, I think that and is then maybe messing it up and that's why this the shift the tones don't don't work
0: I think that's I think that's an argument that works I think you you know again it's it's sort of like success has many fathers and failure has none so you know I think nobody's gonna raise their hand and say and certainly if you look at you talk about power dynamics who has the power in 1996 you know this Susie Laurie Parks has not won a Pulitzer at this point, yeah, she's And um, not, you um, just to tell you, remember, like the first couple of episodes when I talked about recasting, uh, recasting um, Easy Rollins mm-hmm. with Jeffrey Wright and Most Def, it's because I saw him in Top Dog Underdog. Wow, did you? And I and I said, oh yeah, these dudes, these dudes should be. They should have a TV show every week yeah. where they do stuff. So, but 1996,
1: Top Dog Underdog signed that.
0: Top Dog Underdog. So. I, I would buy your argument that there that yeah, is there.
1: Because, like I say, I hear you for what Spike is trying to inject in there, but mm-hmm. I, I w- would be curious as to whether or not um, that's because Spike doesn't have a full uh, I don't want to say understanding doesn't feel 100% comfortable with the screenplay that Susie Laurie Parks has presented because right. Susie L- Laurie Parks uh, but mind you this is her first screenplay um but she is a very challenging writer right right you know um so i could imagine that someone like Spike who a good writer of his own but i don't think that he i don't think i think there's a, a there is a difference between a Susie Laurie Parks um Script and a Spike Lee script,
0: and certainly with within issues of race and gender, certainly. So,
1: um, so I I would imagine that I could certainly see Spike, you know, trying to mix things up, and and also to your point, maybe by this point trying to, like I say, maybe it's not so much by the numbers, is just trying to inject something in there to maybe creatively wake him up mm-hmm. because he has been just boom, 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 boom. And now he, you know, this, he's, he's certainly reached a certain point in, in his career at this point. And it's going where he's not necessarily on cruise control, but
0: he has nothing left to prove anymore. Yeah. So yeah, he he's just, yeah, absolutely. whatever.
1: Um, and now this is something that he didn't even write either. So he's like, Hey, you know, cause it's, it's cause a lot of his work was with Warner brothers mm-hmm. and it, I have to say, the first thing that I noticed when watching yeah. this is a, this big 20th Century Fox coming yeah. up. So I'm like, yeah. whoa, you know, which then speaks to why the Prince music is from poor right, from wherever, right, right. wherever. Um, it's but it, it, that in and of itself is, again, the reason why. Those tones. They shift all over the place. And there are movies that shift all over the place. Chirac shifts all over the place. It does. Um, To a degree, even, you could argue that something like uh, Cleopatra Jones shifts all over the place. Um, Claudine has has some shifts in mood. in, 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 In mood and tone to the films. But when those things happen, it's all the more reason to have a very strong and assured actors delivering right. the scene. Now,
0: see, I think Teresa Randall is wonderful.
1: I think she is a very lovely woman. But I she was. I,
0: I think Teresa Randall was the perfect person for this role.
1: Wow, man! I could not disagree I, more.
0: I think Teresa Randall is is sultry, which is hard to pull off. I think a film that is focusing so much on voice Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I mean, she's a very beautiful woman, but I think her voice kind of works. I think what you saw as wooden, I see her as, I mean, again, I'm just looking at the film. Like the whole film is about her trying to get her identity, Mm -hmm. like all the wig stuff, all the, you know, the, 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 she gets. For a
1: woman that doesn't, it supposedly it's like late on her rent and all this other right, type right. Of stuff. Right, right. She's got mad wigs. She got mad wigs and she doesn't wear the same thing twice. Right. Like in the same day. Well, you know, it's it's still
0: movie people poor. It's still movie poor. So,
1: Just saying, bro. You know. Just saying. If
0: we start down. Notice that. Like, you know, people who are, who act like actual poor people. You know, it's movie poor.
1: I just noticed that. I'm saying yeah,
0: but um, I like Teresa Randall. I, I like, and I like Teresa Randall in this. I think, I th- I think again, what you see as wooden, I think that was on purpose. Like, if Teresa Randall wasn't a good actress, I would say, oh, well, like if if you said she was wooden in, you know, even something like um, what's the joint she was in with uh, Wesley Snipes sugar hill okay like like if you said well you know if i said oh well she was trying to do this in sugar hills or you know even in the 10 15 minutes she was in malcolm x Mm. like i'd say that but you know i i think she did that on purpose because again she's sort of this blank slate that gets lost until the very end well
1: i think she's i i i disagree i don't think um Maybe this wasn't. Maybe this was an actor, an actor's choice mm-hmm. of her how she played this role. Then I think, it, and if so, I think she made a very poor choice. Okay, because she is very, very one note mm-hmm. throughout this entire movie. And there are with a movie where the tones are shifting all over the places. Right. There are there are times where you could kind of still stay in that character and shift your mode. A little bit shift right. your tone a little bit I mean I don't even like I say there's the there's the scene where she is being terrorized mm-hmm. um, over the phone right um, by one of the callers who seemingly has found out where she lives right right and there is there is a tension to that scene none of it is coming from Teresa Randall right it's all coming from the person on the phone and to a degree how it's being filmed and even how it's being filmed it's kind of like it takes me out of it because I don't really feel it because it's a right. little bit too kinetic that like, with that tension you need to just be still right, and and just and trust the words and trust the mood of your lighting and your actors mm-hmm. but you can't because she is not giving you anything in that scene there are scenes where she is with um spike lee that are supposed to be a little yeah. bit more comedic yeah and she is giving you nothing there yeah. are scenes where she's where she's with um her ex isaiah washington who i don't know what he's doing in this movie yeah. but he, but there are scenes where she's with him and he's trying to be you know because isaiah washington is very accomplished actor. absolutely he's given nothing to work with in this film absolutely not but he's he's doing whatever he can yeah it, but he's got nobody to, mm. all his scenes unfortunately are with t te- Teresa Randall, and she, she is giving him nothing yeah. to w- w- work off of w- with what little bit she has.
0: I actually agree with you about uh, those scenes.
1: Yeah, I mean, but yeah. but that's a lot of the movie man it's not Even a much it's not a whole lot like i would okay argue with the rest of the movie the- she's on the phone and yes does she have a sultry voice yes she has a sultry voice does she is she a, a extremely does she uh extremely good looking woman so uh, sometimes when you're 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 listening to her um deliver her lines yes she's cool does she make a very very um uh, she's good in the uh, those reenactments mm-hmm. like the 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 first two reenactments where she's um, Carmen Jones right. and she's Foxy Brown she's very good in them especially in the Carmen Jones one yes. she, looks, she looks like Carmen Jones right. Um, and well. the Foxy Brown one she's kind of cool but you know she's being Foxy Brown she's being right, like right. the acting of that day so you're right. not gonna say anything about that but in the scenes where she is on the phone and delivering like her phone sex yeah she's got a nice voice you know, it's coming, o- it's, it's coming off. But it really, it's really the guys' readings that are that are building up any anything. Oh, I about, don't
0: agree. I think it's both of them in those nah, scenes.
1: I, I, I'm telling you, man. She, I would have loved to, I would have loved to have Jennifer Lewis doing some phone sex as opposed to her. But see, here's the thing. That's because Jennifer Lewis is a sexy woman. It wasn't phone sex. I thought that that
0: was that's one of the things that I really enjoyed the fact that the sex part of it very quickly turns into something else. No, I, so I understand that. She, that. So understand that, you know, that, yes. because that and it that, really that's is problem. a conversation. And in fact, you said something. The fact that she and Isaiah Washington are so good together in the Carmen Jones fantasy, and they're not as good in, you know, quote unquote real life when, when she's, you know, when they, you know, they had a lunch date and they sort of talked to each other. I, I, I look for it so much. I remember there was, a, you know, Spike Lee has always talked about getting funding and, and getting finance for his movies. And I remember there was a period where he said that it got to the point where he had to be in the movies mm-hmm. because Spike Lee had become like basically his own brand. Right. So like people wouldn't finance the movie unless Spike Lee was it something in, in it. Yeah. And I feel like Girl 6 was one of those movies because his character is just sort of sketched it's it's not even a sketch and i completely agree with you that the scenes with spike lee as jimmy fall flat like in in tone like you said it's like it's 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 almost like they wanted this weird asexual relationship like it's almost like they wanted to 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 sand the edges Mm -hmm. off of their, and get a version of that Nola darling Mars Blackman relationship. But what kind of made that relationship kind of be electric is that they were having sex with each other. And so in this, you know, he's like the, 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 the best friend. Yeah. And the Isaiah Washington stuff, you know, oh, it's my ex-husband, and this and that, But you never really get a real understanding of who he is and what his motivations are. And I did get the feeling, like, somewhere in the production or the creation of this film, from from the the, the sort of genesis of the film to the execution of the film, the passion was in this other stuff, and I kind of had to get this in here. Mm and i think that comes through and and i agree with you that 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 teresa randall's acting is is not on par in those scenes but i argue that that is more of an indictment of those parts of the movie because again i com- i completely disagree i think she's great in the flashbacks i think she's great as in girl 60 like you talked about stillness my favorite scene in the movie is when she's at Coney Island, waiting for the dude to come, and she's just sitting on the bench and realizing that you know she didn't got caught up too.
1: Yes, and yes. that is a that is a, a very good scene. You know why?
0: Why? Because no she, she has no lines. Because she has no lines.
1: And it's all about the it's all about the cinematography, and the music. Her body is acting, and I know that sounds really. I, it's she's all sitting there Vince. It's all
0: in the body language That's though. All in like the staging.
1: Cuz he literally
0: you, is sitting there. She's not just sitting there. Like you see it on her face. She's looking for this dude. I don't think you're giving her enough credit. Okay. So, but I do agree with you on that. Music-wise, what do you
1: what are you looking up? We had like a little bit of an argument right there. That was cool. I know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just always, you know. That was cool. Um the Prince music, yes,
0: yes. I think um, all over the place. It's all over the place, but I think it's also interesting how there's a lot of music in there. I, I remember when we were talking about uh, Brown Sugar, mm-hmm. and y'all were talking about the soundtrack and, and part of sound. Who, who's who's with this one? Brown Sugar. You have to forgive me.
1: I oh, forget who are uh, that
0: was. Uh, was uh, Car- uh, Charmel, Charmel, right? And you and Charmel were talking about some of the songs on the soundtrack. Or some of the songs in the movie weren't on the soundtrack. And I noticed that in this. Like there were a couple of B-sides that were played like 17 days. in, in, in a lot of B-sides. How come you don't call me more? And they weren't on the soundtrack. And the interesting thing was he had released the B-sides a couple of years earlier. So people kind of had them. But what I do remember that was on this soundtrack that I was, you know, as, as somebody who was looking for the print stuff and and you know we talked about a little bit how you know stuff was not readily available and so much music that that came out didn't make it to cd you know this was when um things sort of went from cassette to cd and there were some things that never made it to cd and one of the things that didn't make it was um was um Vanity 6. And you know, nobody really is listening to Vanity 6 a lot, but people wanted to hear um Nasty Girl. And and you know what else is on here? Screams of Passion. Yeah. So you know, the family song. The 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 the, the group the family. Right. And so I do remember that there was a bit of that with the soundtrack like, "Oh, well this is now going to be on CD." So now you can get that and then you have this beautiful, pristine copy. But you know what? Even that. That's
1: the saving grace. No,
0: no, 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 no. I think that speaks to, or, or at least I kind of folded that into my critique, that Spike Lee is now part of the establishment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, he can get a print soundtrack. Like, you know, like like who else got a print soundtrack besides Girl 6? And it's not even a fair question because we've talked about everything that had a prince soundtrack besides girl 6 and those are prince movies
1: well, the- oh and, and batman. batman
0: batman right so so it's like a prince movie or the biggest thing at this point ever
1: and a spike lee movie yeah but but again this is a prince soundtrack but it's it's cobbled together it's not like prince Saw this movie and created was inspired by this movie in his music. True, they pulled music to kind of fit scenes or just throw throw in there.
0: Do you think other movies didn't want to use old Prince music?
1: No, okay, I hear you on that, but um, I don't know. I it's it's kind of cool to hear some of the music. Some of the music is like. Uh, could really do about that in this scene right now? Right, Uh, right. Because there's because again, because it is pulled from different stages in Prince's career, some Mm -hmm. of the music is has a dated sound to it. Mm -hmm. I mean this is 1996 and some of this music was pulled from 1992.
0: What what, The funny thing is I think the most dated thing on the soundtrack is the new song Girl 6.
1: Yes. (laughs) yeah over. with it's like faux scratching and all right, that type right. of stuff as we
0: talked about in a graffiti bridge Prince liked the hip rap
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah that's the, definitely the, one of the most dated things um, that scene and, and correct me if I'm wrong the scene you were talking about the, at Coney Island which yes. again is a beautiful scene I'm not yes. knocking it one of the more beautiful scenes shout in the out movie. to the
0: cinematographer Um, I just forgot his name
1: uh, Malik uh, Hakim Saeed yes Um great job there he does a great job there is the I think is the song that's playing there how come you don't call me anymore yes yeah see and it it, that is okay that's probably my favorite scene in this in this movie too except you know yeah that probably is my favorite scene in this movie I was going to say the um, recreation of the the scene from Graffiti Bridge but that's more Carmen Jones no, I do like that. Okay, but I was gonna say the, the from graffiti, um, not graffiti, bridge, under the cherry moon. From under the cherry moon, because it was very striking in its black and white. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that in black and white, even though I knew that that was like a fantasy element, mm-hmm. there was a part of me that wished the second I saw that, wow, well, I wish this movie was in black and white mm-hmm. because that's how good it looked. Right, right, right. And um, and. Teresa, Teresa Randall can wear a dress I'll, yes. I'll give you I'll give you that yes um and she wore that um but but no that scene at Coney Island was easily the most um the most effective scene and and maybe I am not doing her justice in the acting that she shows on her face um in that scene uh so I I'll acquiesce there but I still say that that notwithstanding she is. Um, she just did not impress me at all in this in this movie, okay. and it really made me. It made me want to go and look up more Teresa Randall stuff because, be honest, while you, when you mentioned that she was in Malcolm X, I had totally forgotten that she was in Malcolm X. Yeah, and the only other film that I like can call to my mind Teresa Randall is Space Jam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She plays his wife. She
1: plays his wife. She plays who, his from wife. what I understand, I believe the two of them didn't get along during
0: that film. I I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, is it, are you are you, are you one of them Space Jam people?
1: What? That I like Space Jam?
0: Or like you like... Like, you know, you ever run into people who are like... Like not obsessed with Space Jam, but like know a lot about Space Jam. Oh, I'm not one of them. I'm like, are you one of those people? No, I'm just a movie person. Okay, so all right, all right, all right, right. That. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that they didn't get along. But. Yeah,
1: and, and I could be misremembering uh, that, but I I'd seen I forgot right.
0: she was in Space Jam. <laughs> 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 nice pull.
1: That, but but no, I'm serious. That's the right, only right, other right. Teresa Randall thing that readily comes to my right, mind. Right. I mean, she
0: was pretty much the the co lead in Sugar Hill.
1: True, and, yeah. but I, I honestly and I loved her in Sugar Hill. I saw Sugar Hill when it came out. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it, I was it's like, it's, uh, it's very much one of them period movies. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I but think you know, I, I've seen this before. Right, right, right. Um, uh,
0: but I liked her in in Malcolm X. The few, like, she wasn't in Malcolm X a long time. Mm. But but I thought her scene She's like early in Malcolm. X. She's very early. She's okay. when he's still um, red, red, and when he um, converts, he walks past her, and she's become a. It's very sad, and she becomes a prostitute.
1: Oh yeah, I th- see. I have to see that again because yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I, I'm just not seeing her face, but yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Is that all you going to say about Teresa Randall? I thought you. <laughs>
1: Yes, I, I honestly have nothing else to say about Teresa Rambo <laughs> Teresa, I, mean, I have nothing against Theresa right, right. I just did not you know the
0: other thing about the film and, and again I, I am sort of thinking of like I think about Spike Lee in totality as you can tell like I'm always thinking about all the moving pieces about and, and, and the moving pieces of Spike Lee I think that there are there are actors at that point that kind of, it, it's like he kind of pulls from this troop of actors. Mm-hmm. Like, these are Spike Lee's actors. And I think, again, Malcolm X is the end of this era, where he starts to transition, and you know, you talked about Tom Ford, and, not Tom Ford, um, Tom Bird. And Tom Bird is, you, you know, he's in this, he's in Clockers, mm-hmm. and he's in Get on the Bus. Isaiah Washington is is in this and he's in Clockers. Right. And then you know Teresa Randall kind of pops up here and there. But you know your John Tuturose, your Giancarlo Who in this movie.
1: Right, but but for one scene. Yeah. And and again, talking about tone. Yeah, which you, because he looks
0: ridiculous. Yeah, in his Beethoven way. Right. So so you know but but the the spiky actors. Yeah. You know, again, you are John Turturro's, you are Sam Jackson's, you your your Denzel Washington's, mm-hmm. you um, you know, you are Spike Lee's actor, you Wesley Snipes to a certain degree, his sister, his sister. You, you know, I, I think a lot of them had gotten to the point. You know, your are Giancarlo Esposito's. Did I said Giancarlo Esposito. You did not, but yeah. You, you know, your are Giancarlo Esposito's. Bill Nunn. You are Bill Nunn's. I think many of them had moved on moved away or blown up certainly in Denzel yeah well I mean again think about who I Denzel Wesley Snipes um um who that's Giancarlo Giancarlo. he didn't didn't grow
1: he didn't blow up right
0: he didn't blow up but he certainly got other opportunities yeah by now he's on tv right right or or just a working actor like he's just a dude a working actor and it's almost it's almost like a rebuilding period like I feel like a spike in kind of like a Spike Lee movie traditionally feels like a Spike Lee movie and you think about what is it about it that makes it feel like a Spike Lee movie and you know we talked about Ernest Dickerson and the work that he did as a cinematographer uh you, you know Spike Lee as writer director mm-hmm. um I don't know how much of a score there is.
1: To yeah. this. Yeah, it's not, it's not really because it's, you know, it's,
0: if, it, if there's any, it's very light. Right, it's, it's just heavy this, print. It's, it's just heavy print. So, so, you know, you don't even have that kind of Terrence Blanchard kind of aoral sheen that you get to the Spike Lee movies that, yeah. you know, it feels like a Spike Lee movie. And you know, let me, you know, you said we had an argument. Let me just, this, a lot of this is academic. Like, I think this movie is more interesting than good mm-hmm. if if that's sort of a thing, a thing you could say, and certainly it's more interesting and good within the context, yes, of what came Thinking before and, after. and what comes after, because uh, you know, again, we talked about this with Chirac. I, I do think you kind of look at at these films, and I think Spike Lee kind of gets a second wind. Like, you know, you start talking about A Summer of Sam or He Got Game or, you know, Get on the Bus, where I think these are good movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so I am. Um, I'm not going to say I grant him this because, you know, what, who, who the hell am I to grant somebody something? But I, I think there's enough interesting going on in this movie. That. I remember being disappointed when I saw it. Let me say that. Like what you just said about being disappointed. Mm-hmm. I remember in nineteen ninety-six being disappointed mm-hmm. and I couldn't quite articulate why. Mm-hmm. And I think what it was is that even more so than sort of the, the the tonal issues and 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 the plot stuff is that it didn't feel like I thought a spike lee movie should feel. And I don't know if that's a... F- I don't know how fair it is to judge someone by that. Like, I'm not saying it isn't, because I do think a lot of directors, and, and we've talked about this before, you know, I think, you, you know, like kind of the way that I say, oh, this is a master at work, is that his voice or her voice comes through mm-hmm. so that I can point to it and say, oh, well, you know, that's um Ava DuVernay, and that's, you, you know... Cassie Lemons like you look at Caveman's Valentine which is like a million times different <clears throat> than um Eve's you. but there are scenes in and where it's like oh that's see her touch I see her touch and I don't I don't know like I said I think it's a an interesting movie I think it's an interesting movie and don't like like i don't even know what i'm saying right now like i don't even know i don't i don't know if i'm defending it or i'm trying like i feel like i'm trying not i'm trying not to come across like i'm contradicting you because i don't think in my heart i am i just think it's more interesting than not like i think i'm more able to eat the meat and leave the bone Mm. maybe
1: Mm. Where I would just leave, push the plate to the side. Right,
0: right, right. Oh, none none for me.
1: I'll just take this bowl of cereal. You
0: just take this bowl of cereal. Like, you know, the T-bone, the fat isn't seared enough. So, Lynn pushes it away completely. It's, it's nasty. So, I, but whereas I'll
1: eat and just cut that little little side off and push it away. I want to talk about one person. I want to talk about Jennifer Lewis for just a quick second.
0: Absolutely another another great you
1: know phenomenal yeah. actress um uh i'll be honest she she has currently you see her on blackish the tv show blackish yes um I could do without her on Blackish. Really? Yes. Only because I love her. Only on because. Black-ish. And I, see, I love Black and I love Blackish. No, I love her on Blackish. The reason why I could do without her on Blackish is because I feel that there's a little bit of a stereotype to her role on there. I think it's subversive. I think she's playing. I think she's playing that. Well, I just, I, I, I guess, I, I guess, I would, I would love to just see the family dynamic being the family dynamic. Why do we have to have the grands sure. in there? We're,
0: we're having the Dave Chappelle, we're having the Dave Chappelle, um, debate you, right here. Like, are they laughing at me? Or are they laughing with me? And yeah. I, where I see subversion, you just see okay.
1: Yeah. So, so, but that notwithstanding, mm-hmm. um. I do love me some Jennifer Lewis. She's the best. She's the best. funny. She is... She's, she's, she is, um, she's sexy. She, that woman, yeah, has been... Se- she, she just don't stop being sexy. I think that's why she hasn't... I mean,
0: quite honestly, and, and kind of just to come back to the movie too and the tonal things, I think that's part of the reason she's not as big as you and I think she should be. I, I think... I don't think Hollywood knows what to do, to do with, yeah. with a black actress like this. Yeah, you know where she's funny and she's sexy and she's smart. Like, like you kind of, you kind of, sort of have to pick. Mm-hmm. And you, and you know, it's it's sort of like the Girl Six. And and I think about even the um the um the packaging of it. Yeah, where we're like, and, and you know, we talked about it with Chirac. And I think this is something that has kind of haunted Spike Lee or Spike Lee has had to kind of grapple with where it's almost like Hollywood doesn't just want a serious black film or a serious thing. Like, it's always this kind of tension where it has to be jokes. So, like, if you look at the packaging of Girl 6 and really a lot of Spike Lee films, they, they resemble the packaging of School Days. Where, you know, you have the one person in the middle and then you have the players around them kind of, you know, doing these exaggerated hand poses. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what the movie is. A lot of times his stuff gets packaged like this. And and I think Jennifer Lewis is a perfect example. Like Jennifer Lewis is not really supposed to be a quote unquote funny character in this movie. No. She like she not. tells a joke when they're training but, and, and that's, you know, I talked about that earlier. That's one of my favorite scenes in the film. Like, I, I wish they would have leaned in on that, talking about the sort of power dynamic that's sort of baked in to this type of phone sex thing. And, and you know, not for nothing, I think um, in some ways this film ages well because these issues of sort of power and voyeurism and 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 you know in and objectification specifically of women you people write about this now when we talk about you know webcam girls and 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 the nature of pornography on the internet and you know there are all these think pieces about what does it mean to you know and and, and who gets the most porn and what is you know like of, of course the the places in the country that get the most porn are the places that are the most um Pure on paper, and what does all this mean? And I feel like there are moments in this film, including that scene mm-hmm. where Jennifer Lewis is training them, where you you get you you get a peek at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can feel on that. And
0: you know, like you said, Jennifer Lewis is she shines every time she's on the screen and I wish she was the biggest star in the world. She's yet, she's on my list of people that
1: I'm like, why is she not a bigger star? She did a production in 2010. I'm I was reading up on her. She did a production in 2010 of uh, hello Dolly. Wow. In Seattle. I would have, I would love to see that. I could imagine her killing that. Oh yeah. I can imagine her on stage. Uh, just killing the hell out of that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to give her, um, Give her some praise, a woman that really got her shine a little bit later in life. Really, mm-hmm. when you think about it, especially in the movies. You know, her first movie is like in 1988. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a woman that's in in her fifties.
0: What was the movie that uh, it was either? I think it was a movie where she played a singer, an older singer who was trying to come back mm. or, or kind of get her career back. And it has got like a name like you know, Welcome Back, Jackie Brown or like like something like that and i know you're looking at it right now if you don't see it in the next couple of seconds it's cool like maybe 10 15 it may have been in the 90s maybe in the 90s yeah like welcome back Jackie Brown or
1: uh let's see well let's let's let's, let's run through let's yeah let's run through the 90s let's show her some love cuz has yeah. been doing work since beaches red heat sister act frozen assets poetic justice she was a meteor man get out of here Uh, There's a movie. Yeah, she uh, that's a strange movie. She uh, played Tina, um, Tina Turner's mother, and what love got to do with it. Uh, Undercover Blues. She was in Sister Act Two, Renaissance Man, Karina, Karina. uh, Oh lord, she 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 been in a bunch of Panther, Dead Presidents, The Preacher's Wife, The Temptations, a lot of TV stuff. She was a Mystery Man. Oh, that's right. She was Lucille. She was um. She was on uh, William H Macy's uh, wife. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 man. You don't uh, see it, Jackie's B- Jackie's back.
0: Jackie's back.
1: She's playing Jackie Washington. Was that a film or was that a TV show? Uh, Jackie's back was a 1999 television film. Yes, directed by Robert Townsend. Uh, that premiered on so Life- on Lifetime. Funny,
0: and Jackie's back. It if was you documentary e-
1: if you ever get a chance.
0: To see, and I have no idea where you would be or how you would see Jackie's back. But Jackie's back, I wanted that to become a show or an ongoing because she's so good in it. Yeah. So yeah, Jennifer yeah, the, Lewis. Uh,
1: a mockumentary. Yeah, that sounds yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's available. Jackie's back with Jennifer Lewis, Tom Arnold. Um, Maybe I'll order that with. It's um, available a, with on with Amazon. Abby.
0: I'll order it with Abby. There you go. We'll, we'll watch Jackie's back and then we'll watch
1: Abby. Oh, Jennifer Lewis and Tim Curry, though. That sounds good. Which is the Black Exorcist. You know who else is in Abby? Jackie's back is not the Black Exorcist. You know Let's who else, is, you know really who else is in up. Abby?
0: William Marshall. Really? Blackula himself. He plays the priest.
1: Wow. Uh, mockumentary featuring the comeback of a forgotten se- it's, 70s it,
0: sex kitten. It's, it's very good stuff.
1: Jackie's back, directed by Robert Townsend. Yeah. Available on Amazon. So go on Amazon and get uh, show Jennifer Jennifer Lewis some love. There you go. Mm. Her sexy mouth. I had to go there. Oh Lord, you, see, I had to go there. Try try and keep it classy. I did keep it classy. So,
0: girl six, what's your verdict?
1: Um, t-
0: next so nothing from there's nothing from girl six there's nope.
1: nothing there's no reason to see girl Six.
0: Oh, I completely
1: disagree. now if you want to go buy the soundtrack so that you can hear a couple of those print songs that aren't on CD very well but it's really only what is the family song and nasty girl nasty girl that's not, not on CD and everybody you've gone this long without nasty girl or the family I think you're fine so just go find Prince's b-sides um, the hits and the b-sides compilation that you can find in a whole lot of record yeah. stores right and now and that's the one and you'll get all of these songs um, there's no that say the screams of passion I said the family yeah screams of passion. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah there's nothing on on there's no reason to watch this movie
0: I think it's an interesting movie I think it's an interesting movie I, I think it is um it's kind of like we talked about this with, um, with, um, shit, big words. Mm. And, and I talked about the De La Soul thing when, and on there on stakes is high, which was just the anniversary of stakes is high, about 20th anniversary of stakes is high, A couple of days ago where, where at where, you know, the whole album is, um, you know, when I first heard criminal mind and they talk about, it, and then at the end, a kid says, when I first There's heard three st- feet high man, and rising, rising I love, I love when these artists sort of accept the mantle of who they are. Mm-hmm. Like now I am one of these people. And I love the fact that her sort of talisman and her rallying cry of being a complicated black actress and I'm not just going to be judged by my body is Nola Darling's first monologue okay. from She's Gotta Have It. Like, I love the fact that Spike, and again, I see this as a shift in Spike Lee's career where he kind of, again, I'm not on my grind like I was. I'm not trying to carve out, like, I have a space. And I think what makes it so ironic is that when when you have this sort of declaration of of my spaceness, mm-hmm. very little about the film feels like. What he used to make this space, so you know we talked about cast, talked about the cinematography, talked about the music, so that it is this weird kind of thing, you know. Um, you know, I like Teresa Randall in it. I like Teresa Randall, and I like the the little sparks of of this other stuff that goes on. So I would say, um, you know if you're watching spike <laughs> lee like if i'm like if i'm teaching a spike lee class it probably wouldn't be in the on the syllabus but you know i would say su- it would be suggested reading suggested reading there suggested, you go. Reading. suggested reading. if you're teaching you know film 307 the work of spike lee and you'd have the spike lee movies on the syllabus and then you say suggested reading
1: so to be a completest you should watch *Girl 6. No,
0: no. To be a completist, you would watch uh, *Chirac* or *Red Hook Summer*. You think this is better than *Chirac*? I absolutely do.
1: I don't think this is better than
0: *Chirac*. Oh, you're get the. You don't think this is better than *Chirac*? No, I don't. Oh, you're bugging. No, I don't. You're... Now you just now you're just being obstinate.
1: I'm not being obstinate. You are. I don't think this is better than *Chirac*. How is this not? I don't think this is better than Chirac. Chirac is all over the place, but Chirac at least I I believe Chirac Chirac is trying to get to a point, and eventually, you are. Bugging eventually, right now. you know, they go a long way and a weird way of getting there. Get to that point. I think that this film wants to get to, gets to a point, but there's so many other things in the way, whether it be Susie Laurie Park's um, screenplay or Spike Lee's uh, direction or the co-mingling of the two not making a, a happy home, that it doesn't really get there. I'm sorry. I think Chirac is a much better movie. And I don't think Chirac is a great movie, but oh, Chirac you is are, better than this. You are,
0: I, I completely disagree.
1: so there you go there you go there you go we'll stand on that we'll stand on that we completely disagree there you go (laughs) but like you be the judge go check out um girl six go find it and um you can go watch girl six and let us know what you thought of of girl six and speaking of big words while you're um out and about or you're waiting for girl six to be delivered to your home why don't you take a moment and check out on uh tnt their new series Animal Kingdom, um, which features friend of the show, friend of the show, Mister Dorian Missick
0: Very nice. Yes, uh, very nice. He plays
1: like a, I think he's playing like a police officer in the in the show. I've only seen like the first, which three is episodes. awesome. You
0: know my favorite kind of black actor, what, a working work, one. Work, amen. So you know, good, <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Kudos. So
1: go check that out. Animal Kingdom on T N T. It's All a right. it's a very cool show. It's kind of got like a. Um, a Sons of Anarchy type of vibe to it. Okay, sorry, right. it's, it's pretty nice. cool. It's pretty cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've got to get out of here. But next week we will have a very special guest as we present one of the dare I say essentials. Oh yeah, of black cinema, of cinema, I would say, yeah,
0: or American cinema. Most I like certainly. to say American cinema because you know I do think you know, yeah,
1: our that's stuff that's is fair. very unique. That's fair. Uh, it's uh, Our next stop on the Michelle Mission, Eve's Bayou. Oh, yeah. You'll want to check that out with our very special guest, Uh, Dr. Michelle Prettyman Beverly. Yes. It's going to be real cool.
0: It is going to be cool. It's going to be very cool, actually.
1: And that'll be coming your way next week right here on the Michelle Mission, which you can listen to every week on... Mission dot com, or on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and in any place, and any every place that good podcasts be. If you want to leave us, drop us a line. You can email us at MichelleMission at Gmail dot com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at Mission Michelle, or find and like us on Facebook at The Michelle Mission. For Vince, this is Len, and parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.